2: I have not been in like a situation like this. Starting off 0-2, I haven't been in a situation like this. And I feel like a lot of people, like a lot of leaders have not either. Leaders who need to pretty much step up and just do their part. Here come the Irish. What a run! Touchdown! Play of the year for the Irish.
3: Welcome, welcome to the Indy on NBC podcast. Uh, the, the team is currently 0-2 uh, after losses to Ohio State and Marshall. Um, the most recent loss to Marshall, 26-21, was historic in the sense that it was uh, against a Sunbelt team. So it, it's funny, funny, funny enough, A&M also lost, they were top 10, lost to a, another Sunbelt team, uh, Appalachia State. So in that sense, not the kind of history you want to be making if you're Notre Dame. You went from five to ranked eight to now out of the top 25. And Marcus Freeman is the first Notre Dame coach to start 0-3. That's the backdrop for Cal this week. The team needs a turnaround. And in order to preface this, I wanted to invite Zora Stevenson and Isaiah Foskey into the podcast for today's episode to give us a little insight on what the team's thinking and how they're gonna do that turnaround. It is my great pleasure to welcome the sideline reporter for Notre Dame on NBC, Zora Stevenson. Zora, you were there this past weekend, and what was your first? That was your first game covering Notre Dame football ever, right? So what was yeah. that atmosphere? Like, it was a historic game. But uh, yeah. what, what were your biggest takeaways from from uh, day one on the job in South Bend?
1: Well, just an honor, an honor to be with the NBC crew, top-notch, and honor to cover Notre Dame football and whatever opponents come into that stadium each and every week. And, Corey, I'm not going to lie, we were there the whole weekend leading up to Saturday. We get there on Thursday. And I remember the first time that I was at Notre Dame last year and you were telling me – Zora, Notre Dame is a special place. And now every time I step foot on that campus, I remember that line from you. And I found myself walking around campus, um, went to the grotto, lit a candle. I mean, you know, I, I just wanted to, to take in all that is Notre Dame. And I, I hope I can find some traditions in, in my own routine to just appreciate the fact that I get to be on that vibrant campus each and every week in the fall. So I'm looking forward to, to fall in South Bend. Oh, I, I'm just beaming right now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, to the yeah, I got to plug in the, you know, I got to uh, build up the Notre Dame grad a little bit, especially after what happened on Saturday.
3: You know? Yeah, no, I'm still mourning. I wanted, I, you know, I, I really wanted to wear black today. Um, this is a really sad day for me. And, and before we get into the game, though, I, I kind of wanted to just get the, the general um, idea because people don't understand the broadcast, like how you guys come in and do that stuff. So what exactly happens when you get in touchdown Thursday through Friday through Saturday? Can you give us your, your schedule?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, preparation really starts as soon as the last game ends. So let's go back to last week, right? Notre Dame at Ohio State. And then immediately Sunday is kind of a a lull day for all of us. But Monday, and well, and even Sunday, you kind of want to watch the game back. You want to make sure you have the, the highs and lows of the game. You want to make sure you watch the next opponent. So I had to watch Marshall Norfolk State just to see who all the characters were for the Marshall football team, make sure we could cover them um, in an adequate way. And then Monday, the producers text me like, hey, who from each team do you want to talk to? So it's prepping interviews for, for those folks and making sure that, that we can have some good conversations so I can bring some good stories to the broadcast. Then on um, Tuesday, we have our full production meeting. Wednesday, we talked to Marshall's head coach, Charles Huff. Thursday, we head to Notre Dame and we get to watch practice, which is great because, you know, you get to see everything happening and all the preparation that the guys are taking. And you even get some stories. I got one story just from watching practice, not even talking to anybody, but watching practice, I noticed that, and I haven't even shared this on the broadcast yet, but I noticed that Marcus Freeman daps up every single player. There's 115 players on the Notre Dame roster. He daps them up with a handshake and a hug every single practice day. That, I mean, right? Like I, I noticed Air that, coach. and that that speaks to who he is as as a coach. Then Friday is a full day of meetings with with the Notre Dame athletes and coaches. So we meet with Coach Freeman, we meet with Al Golden, defensive coordinator Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator. We meet with a, a bunch of the different players, and that really helps us get more stories and kind of into the minds of this group and what they've been through in the week leading up to preparation, maybe what they really want to show on game day. Then then Saturday it's go time, and, and for me it was my first Notre Dame. Broadcast on mbc so I'm not, you know, I had a lot of people reach out and like, how you feeling? And I mean, I played, I kind of had a little bit of that angst, right? Like it's it, it's excitement, but it's also the pressure, like you want to do well. So I was just trying to stay even keel. But when you walk into that stadium and it's eighty thousand people, I, I cover basketball a lot, and so most of those arenas are twenty thousand people, right? But Notre Dame Stadium, eighty thousand people, it's electric. It's the type of energy that you kind of feel in your soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's it's an awesome feeling.
3: And wait until you cover the night games, or uh, that's a whole different level. But uh, so it's funny because the, the the mindset coming in off that Ohio State loss, you would know, probably, but know better than all of us, you know what the offense coordinator, with defensive coordinator, with the team, what the players were thinking heading into this Marshall week. Um, what what was the vibe? What was the feeling in those meetings?
1: Yeah, so for Marcus Freeman, he was saying that the group was angry. He said every week you want different motivation. So he said heading into the Ohio State game, it was that nobody thought that they could compete with the Buckeyes. That was the motivation. So, you know, different analysts had videos. They use those as motivation. Then going to the Marshall game, it was it was the hangover from that. They were angry about how things ended at Ohio State, and they wanted to show that on Saturday. It didn't necessarily work out that way, but that was the mindset going in. And offensive coordinator Tommy Reese said the team was frustrated that people were patting them on the back. For a loss, Hmm. right? Like after the Ohio State game, it was like, well, you competed. And then they said, we don't want to compete with the the top teams in the country. We want to beat the top teams in the country. So he said the guys were frustrated with that and they felt a sense of urgency. And he said it was a a one game playoff from here on out. That's how he felt that the season, how important that game against Marshall was. And it was just interesting how they came out. It was the complete opposite of kind of everything that we heard. I mean, even in my pregame interview with Coach Freeman, he said, hey, we want to start fast. And they, they didn't start fast. So it, it's interesting. I think he was frustrated that all the preparation did not translate onto that gridiron.
3: Yeah, it, it is weird. know, I, mean, I was at the game just as a fan. And I was in the stands watching the team warm up. And I was thinking, uh-oh. Like, (laughs) they don't look very sharp. People are walking around. It doesn't seem like there's that energy on on the sideline. I was like, I really hope Marshall doesn't sneak sneak up on Notre Dame because that running game last week – sorry, two weeks ago, before this past game, I think they had, like, 380 rushing yards. You know, and that's, like, not a small feat. And then they replicated that kind of same success on on Saturday. Um, I I wanted to ask you, too, just being that close to the game and seeing it, uh, what was was your interaction with just the fans, uh, the Notre Dame fans that were like student sessions right next to where you hang yeah. out.
1: Like yeah. What- well, and I'm walking. So, you know, I have to walk from sideline to sideline and you get caught in the midst of that band and your your ears will come off. Uh, you know, what's interesting is it's it's 80,000 people and all the students are there and all the hoopla, but it's organized chaos. It's not like a rowdy crowd. What What is it? I mean, I almost want to fire back at you with that one because it's interesting. All those people, but I don't sense disrespect. I don't sense like... Anything crazy. It's a very organized. Is that just the stoicness of, of a Notre Dame person?
3: Uh you know, I think I think everyone's very polite and yeah. very nice. Uh, but yeah, it's not it's not rowdy in that sense. I mean, there are some games that I've played on road that people are like throwing beer at you and stuff. That would never happen.
1: No, that's not Notre Dame. But it, yeah, it's just rooting for rooting for their team, right? And then, you know it was interesting though? I, I've never seen so many people silent, especially mm. fourth quarter. Marshall gets that pick six, and the entire—I mean, you said you, you were there. The yeah. Entire was like you could hear pin drop, but there was like almost a hundred thousand people there, and it was silent.
3: You, you know, it's funny. The uh, uh, you talk about the mindset of Notre Dame, the mindset of Marshall—it looked like they were confident. And, and I, just after that pick six, after some of the even the kickoffs where they'd run the end zone and they'd go straight to their student section, and they would do amp up, and it was like you said, everyone else was silent, but that small little sliver yeah, of. Just erupted. So, I mean, what was Marshall's mindset? You got to talk to the team, talk to them. How were they able to um, upset Notre Dame?
1: Well, coming into the game, Marshall's head coach, Charles Huff, said, if we bring our collective best, like let's not beat ourselves. He said, hey, if we go into Notre Dame Stadium and we bring our collective best and we play as a group and we lose, I'll be okay. But what he didn't want to do was give it up to the team. So whether it was turnovers or penalties or whatever it may be, he was like, I don't want us to beat ourselves. And what's interesting is even after the first quarter, it was zero zero at the end of the first quarter, Marshall was hype. Mm. Like they they had felt like they came in there and said, Hey, you all are gonna respect us today, today. And and you talk about the fact that Marshall didn't look scared or nervous. I think that goes to a lot of the experience on that roster. I mean, there's guys from t- transfers from Texas Tech and Florida State and you know, these these Top schools and they played in that kind of an atmosphere. Uh, Charles Huff, the head coach, was at Alabama for two seasons. It doesn't get bigger than that, right? So they uh, they were not strangers to that atmosphere. Twenty four transfers, and he Charles. Yeah, that's after, amazing. Yeah, he told me after the game. He said college football is changing. You know, I mean, you got these mid majors, but they've got some experience, some big time experience because of of the transfer portal.
3: And we saw the same thing happen to A and M too, who are upset you know, another top yeah, ten to Sun Belt team. And it is interesting, I think. With the you're right, the transfer portal does kind of give more room for upsets. It kind of feels like March Madness, you know, like even like an Alabama team against an unranked Texas team, like almost loses, comes down to a last minute field goal. Like college football is a little, it's a little. I think there's going to be a lot more surprises down the road.
1: And not not the best for Notre Dame fans, but but as just a general fan of the sport, like you like that the underdogs have a chance. You know, I mean, nobody
3: wants to
1: watch watch blowouts each and every week. You know, I just as a fan of any let's take Notre Dame out of it. Right. Like, let's go to that App State Texas A&M game. Like, I don't want to watch a blowout. I want to watch a good football game. And, and that's what we're, we're getting. It was, it was a, it was a close football game. It was a football game that you, you had to, to watch. You couldn't have it on as background noise. You had to be intentional about watching it because you didn't know what was going to happen next.
3: My poor heart couldn't take it. It was, but, but I think, I think the, the I agree with you that I like watching good games, but just not against Notre Dame. Not I, yeah. I, I, I prefer everyone to be a blowout, but I want to ask you about Kyle coming up this week. Um, you know, uh, when you're thinking about stories not about the team for sake. I don't know if you started, you know, all all the research stuff. But when you think about stories, what kind of stories are you attracted to as a reporter?
1: Well, for me, especially in the reporting role, like, you know, Jason Garrett, coach and the analyst and Jack Collinsworth, play by play. They're going to cover the overall themes of the game. It's what can I bring as a nugget that adds to what they're talking about? So, for example, Notre Dame, big story this week is that Tyler Buckner is out indefinitely. He's going to have surgery today. And Drew Pine will now be the starting quarterback. So that's that's, that's what you're going to probably start the, the broadcast with. And Jack and Coach are going to handle that. What can what can I add to enhance that story? Well, when Tyler Buckner was named starting quarterback, Drew Pine was a really good friend to him, right? Mm-hmm. And, and continued to push him in practice. So now that the tables have turned, how is Tyler Buckner going to show up for Drew Pine? how is he going to encourage his friend? How is that friendship a two-way street? So That's a story that I want to explore this week and maybe a way that I can enhance the broadcast and give you all a snippet into, you know, what's going on with these two two quarterbacks. Hopefully I get a chance to talk to some of the players with the the Cal team. And, you know, this is a team that's coming in 2-0 and and Notre Dame is 0-2. It's like complete opposites and um, both of them are playing for something. Cal obviously wants to continue to get it season off on the right foot and, and Notre Dame desperately <laughs> needs a win so the motivation is the motivation is there for, for both sides
3: you know it's funny too because Cal's offense has kind of sputtered in their two games you know the, they didn't start fast in game one they were able to rally then game two they started fast but they couldn't uh, keep it consistent over four quarters and yeah. that what we saw with Notre Dame's offense of Ohio State I mean first half looked good second half was disastrous and then against Marshall it looked like nothing was happening. I do think what what your uh, your point about Drew Pine is extremely fascinating, given the current market around quarterbacks, where you know if you don't get a starting job, your name's in the transfer portal immediately. and And I think that that speaks volumes about Drew Pine that he was willing to not go into the transfer portal. And it's funny, like it seems like his whole career has been kind of like, oh, you count me out. You know, I'll wait my turn. I'll prove you wrong. Uh, and it's just like that 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 quarterback room is really special. I, I think you're definitely onto something there. That's a really interesting
1: point. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what both of them say. And, you know, there was – especially in the offseason for Notre Dame, there were so many questions around who's going to be starting quarterback, who's going to be starting quarterback. And Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman went with Tyler Buckner, and it's specifically for his ability to run the football. And Drew Pine plays a little differently, right? That's not necessarily his, his strength. Um, but, but one thing, too, especially after the Ohio State game is – Fans wanted to see Notre Dame play in the air a little bit more. They felt like, you know, Ohio State they were they were running the football a lot. Hey, let's let's get some throws out there. Maybe that's you know Drew Pine can can help facilitate that. But you you brought up a good point about both offenses with with Cal and Notre Dame, right? That that hasn't been um, what stood out about what they've done so far in this college football season. So maybe we get maybe we get an offensive game because both both teams are due. I got to
3: ask you about um, the differences between basketball and football now, because, you know, you've covered basketball in so many different facets. you are doing play-by-play for the Milwaukee Bucks, being a reporter, I mean, host, I mean, you name it. Um, what is the difference? You mentioned the size of the crowd in the arena, but yep. as far as preparation is concerned or storytelling during the game, uh, are there any differences between being a reporter for basketball and being a reporter for football?
1: Well, the biggest difference for me personally is I played basketball in college and I didn't play football. So just like, you know, I mean, just from uh, understanding the sport and being able to pinpoint things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand big, big themes, obviously. And I understand the game of football, but like, there's nothing like uh, understanding what the players are going through because you did it. And obviously, I didn't play in the NBA. Like I cover the NBA, I didn't play in it, but I played basketball and hoops is hoops. And, and you can understand certain formations and, and certain schemes and stuff like that. So that's what I'm really trying to hone in on the football side is really understanding um what these guys are, are trying to do on the field um from a reporter's standpoint the biggest difference is football is just so much more it's more players you know mm-hmm. more athletes more characters that that you have to identify and the helmets like oh, yeah. <laughs> basketball i can see their face so i like i, I know okay that's so and so football it's like you got to know the number and sometimes you can't see the number, so you need to know the tendencies the cadence or even just where they line up you know okay like if you're right behind buckner it's probably estimate if I can't see the number, you know, it's, it's either Chris Tyree or Audra Guestime, right? Like, yeah. so um, just, just pinpointing different things to recognize the guys. Cause yeah, I can't see the faces.
2: That's,
3: that's a really funny point. Uh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Cause that's, you know, I just grew up around football. So I just think, Oh yeah, you can always tell, but you're right. on, <laughs> And yeah. they're so far away. Yeah. You know, before we, before we wrap up, um, thanks so much for your time. I got to ask you just a quick lighting round, And we did it with coach Marcus Freeman uh, to announce this season. This podcast, so I want to do it with you, Zora, okay. and uh, if you're ready, it's gonna be really quick. Just one, two-word right. answer, two answers, one, you know, sentence. But I'm gonna just throw them at you. Okay. Okay. First sporting event you ever attended?
1: Washington Mystics game, WNBA. Go Sticks! Wow. Okay.
3: I gotta move on. Motto or quote you live by?
1: Keep it going. Name of a poem? Look it up.
3: Oh, love that. Reaction to uh, when you met Giannis for the first time?
1: He said he knew who I was. And I'm not going to lie, in that moment, I texted my husband. And I was like, I'm like, Giannis knows my name. I had a little moment, didn't show it to him, but I had a moment. He was like, Yeah, I know who you are.
3: <laughs> no, now, now Giannis knows the story. Uh, your favorite meal?
1: Chicken wings. I'm not eating meat right now, but like, my goodness, do I wish I could have some hot wings right now.
3: <laughs> and uh, what are you obsessed with right now? It could be a show, it could be a song,
1: anything. My guilty pleasure go to is The Housewives of Atlanta. Like when I don't, when I just want to like get away from work and everything, size of Atlanta, my go-to.
3: And then what, what would you want to tell um, future Zora to know at this time next year?
1: Absorb it all and continue to have gratitude.
3: Wow. That, that's a really beautiful thing to tell your
1: future self. Yeah. you got, I mean, these, and uh, I, Corey, I feel like we share that same sense of, um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel your soul a lot of the time. <laughs> it's just that Zen nature of you. And uh, yeah, we got to absorb the moments because this moment right now will never happen again. So we got to live yeah. it.
3: Yeah. I, I'll probably see you at the grotto sometime. <laughs> now I know where <laughs> to find you on campus. Yeah, so, thank yeah. you so much. I'm so happy that you're part of the Notre Dame on NBC broadcast. We're lucky to have you and best of luck this weekend against Cal.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks, Cory.
3: So it's my pleasure to be sitting here with Isaiah Foskey. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Isaiah. You, you know, this has been a, a pretty tough two weeks for, for your team, 0-2. Um, where is your head at right now as a senior leader on this team?
2: Uh, my head is right now is just beating Cal, but that's all we can do is one game, one life. We're pretty much done with Marshall. We, we was soaked on it Sunday night, Sunday, basically the whole day Sunday, practicing and watching and reviewing it. But now we're moving on to Cal, and that's what the whole practice – we call it Bloody Tuesday, so we're pretty much focusing on Cal right now and just pretty much is moving forward from that. But yeah, what we are with two, we just have to state the facts there.
0: Uh,
3: what are what are jumping out? Um, what's jumping out from Cal when you watch the tape?
2: Uh, what's jumping out from me is just how much they pull. Like, there's like different variations of like pulling that they do. We call it like a blast when the tight end pulls into the B gap. A lot of trap plays. A lot of blast plays, the different type of variations of traps. But for me, it's just like the variations of trap that's a little bit difficult for the interior and for the outside guys. It's something that we haven't seen before. It's a little bit different technique, but I felt like it's something that we can handle. We were doing well today at practice for the first time seeing it.
3: When you think about all the experience you've had playing Big, big games, bouncing back from adversity. Um, how do you do it uh, on, on this early in the season? Have you ever been in a position like this ever?
2: I Unfortunately, yeah, I have not been in like a situation like this. Starting off 0-2, I haven't been in a situation like this. And I feel like a lot of people, like a lot of leaders haven't either, especially at Notre Dame, because it's not something that the seniors came back for, like anybody really came back for like or came here for but. It's just something, new position that everyone's been in. But all the leaders, we have to lead everyone to victory. That's what all the leaders are here for. That's what we named captain for. And we've just been feeling for that. We were 0-2. I mean, the leaders need to pretty much step up and just do their part.
3: Have you reached out to any of the um, alums your friends in the NFL who have kind of experienced something similar to this at the next level for any advice?
2: I actually was just about a, like, later on tonight, I was just going to call Justin Tuck just to – like, talk to him and talk some football and, like, see if he'd been in a situation like this. Like, on a higher level. I don't know if he did that at Notre Dame either, if they had, like, a struggle like this. But since you said that, I could probably talk to a couple guys that been on 2016 team. They, like, started off pretty bad. I'm not sure what team it was. But, like, I'm not sure if Julian or, like, Khalid or, like, one of those guys were on that team when they weren't doing so well and they had, like, a five-and-something record. But I can probably pretty much hit them up. I always have their contacts in my phone.
3: And and now I'd I love to kind of shift over from, you know, Cal uh, to what's happening in, in your life as far as a senior on campus. You came back this year. Uh, what classes are you taking, Isaiah?
2: Oh, yeah. Right now I'm thinking digital marketing. It's my last marketing class I really have to take. And that's pretty much it. It's just that and like three random electives that I just chose. <laughs> so... Pretty much an easy schedule for me, but I'm just really focusing on digital marketing. It's just an interesting class, and I'm a marketing major, so it's my, my last my last semester here. Oh, what what do you enjoy most about student life? Pretty much, uh, people probably won't say it as much, but like, I like going to class, just seeing like different faces, not just seeing like football players all the time, and just seeing just my friends all around class and going around campus, me scootering on campus and I see someone, <laughs> see someone that I know. So that's, I feel like that's, I like that a lot. And having people over my apartment at Foundry, that's pretty nice to get some people off campus or I go to their house now since they're seniors, they got their own little house now they get to live off campus since their fourth year. So I get to go over to their houses and stuff a little different. Are you like doing these big like cooking, are you like cooking dinner for everybody? Oh no, not right now, they Google like, they feed us all the time. They feed us 24-7. I haven't touched the stove in a very long time.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, football um, takes care of us. When you, uh, when you think about your experiences here, are there any other families that you found other than the football family, you know, as far as like, clubs or dorms or different student groups on campus?
2: Uh, unfortunately not. I haven't. I feel like football just takes up so much time that – I really haven't had, like, the chance. I feel like there, I had had a chance to do it, but I just haven't taken the opportunity to really reach out and, like, try to find a community that I like. But I don't know. I probably should now. I got some more free times. So I'm not taking as hard classes.
3: What you mentioned, you love having people over um, who are on campus going to the house. house. Uh, what is some of your other favorite, you know, as far as hobbies or uh, that you that you have outside of football?
2: Outside? I don't know. I pretty much just hang. I hang out with a lot of my friends. That's like my favorite hobby. It's just like it's just chill to me because I get my mind off of football. We just like laugh and joke around all the time. Especially, even like no one comes over, still have Alex, Aaron's and J D. Bertrand to joke around with at the apartment. We're like we're like pretty just funny guys. We're us three just together. We just make like the funniest jokes or like inside jokes that we have. But it's just funny when you think about um, all the different Notre Dame traditions uh, what stands out as your favorite my favorite is definitely I'll probably say singing an alma mater at the end of it at the end of the game because that's some I just something I never really like been a part of even like in high school like, in high school I didn't know I don't think they even have alma maters in high school but like in college like Doing that in my freshman year, I didn't know the lyrics, though, in my freshman year, but like being, a, <laughs> being, a, being a part of it my freshman year, just something different. And I just really liked it, just being a part of that. And everyone was just, like, buying it, seeing the whole student section doing it as well. And basically the whole Stansburg phase of student section. It was just something different I'd never been a part of before.
3: Yeah, it's it's definitely, the, I think, the most special tradition for any former player. I mean, just I'm very biased, but I agree with you. There's nothing like it, especially other the lights. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to shoot you a, a quick lightning round. You know we have a couple minutes left, so I'm just going to rattle off some things. And uh, if you're down for it, you can go ahead and give me give me those answers really fast. Are you ready? All right, I'll try. Okay. okay. Favorite musical artist? Little baby. Ooh, nice.
2: A book that changed your life. Oh, I know the book, but not the title. Oh. It's a book. It's a book my dad gave me though, right before I came to college. It was like a oh, little. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, favorite TV show to binge watch. TV show to binge watch. It used to be Amazing World Gumball, but now it's money Heist. Uh what what's a place you'd like to live eventually? Oh Europe. Any place in Europe. I like Any Europe. Place. A lot. Yeah. Okay. That's uh uh I three, Milan. I like Milan a lot. Uh, three
3: people dead or alive that you'd like to play
2: golf with. Ooh. Like to play golf with Aaron Donald, I don't know if he plays golf. I play golf Denzel Washington. He's a great, like, motivator. And just, like, I feel like he has a lot of stuff to talk about. And Martin Luther King, he's just a great, like, leader that pretty much everyone knows and, like, leads off of. That's a a great foursome in golf. My goodness.
3: I I want to go back to Milan really quick. Um, You spent 10 days there earlier this summer? Yeah.
2: It was, like, around 10. Days. Yeah, yeah what, what was that experience like for you? Was that your first time abroad? Uh, it was my second time abroad. The first time abroad was like a couple months before that, going to Costa Rica. But Milan was like a lot. It was a lot of fun. We had classes Monday through Friday from like, I think it was like 2 to 6. It was like a four-hour block. It was 2 to 6, so you had time before and after classes. And right after class, there's this thing called Apertivo operativo that they have where you just have little bites of, like, little – it's like appetizers, really. You have little bites of that, and then just, like, wine. And that's – it's, like, pretty much drinking wine, like, almost every day. That's, like, what they do. So you just sip on wine every day. <laughs> so that was a little – that was, like, my first time really, like, drinking wine. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't – I didn't like it. But then I started liking it. I, I saw everyone else start doing it. I was like, okay, let me just buy into the culture since I'm there. But that was a lot of fun. But that was pretty much – Monday through Friday, that's what it was. And then on the weekend, we went to Florence, pretty much did the same thing, but didn't have class though. We just did a lot of museum tours, um, walking around, just trying to see the whole, pretty much all of Florence and just take it all in. But it was a really fun experience, a really fun trip. Did you see the Uffizi in, in Florence? All like, uh, yeah, all, did you see like, so what, what museums did you go to? It was a museum that had like all, it was like a whole bunch of sculptures everywhere. Oh, I forgot. It might be, Fusey. That sounds so familiar. But there's some names I just don't remember because I don't, like, speak the language. <laughs> so, like, a lot of it goes over my head. So, like, they say it, and I'm just, oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be- before – I have one more question for
0: you
3: about your dad and that book. But before I go there, I have to ask, the pasta, did it live up to your expectations?
2: Oh, yeah, it did. But the pizza, like – went beyond my expectations i didn't know the pizza was gonna be that good now
3: that is something i did not know okay pizza okay
2: what, what, yeah. what was the pizza that, that blew your mind it was just the margarita pizza the simple like pizza i didn't know pizza can be that simple just be that good i'm not even like a cheese like if i go to a pizza place i don't get just plain cheese but that's what basically the margarita pizza was and it was just really really good and to,
3: to wrap up our conversation, you mentioned that your dad gave you a book before he came to college to change your life. How did it change your life?
2: It was just stuff that going into college that you a lot of people don't tell you about. That's what the whole book was about. It was like, it was like the top three things. And like the big thing that pretty much like it's like going on right now, is just don't listen to the outside noise. It was like a student athlete type of book. But he, like one of the points like, It was, like, going bad, like, how it is right now, 0-2. And the guy was, like, talking about everyone was just, like, bashing on him and saying how bad he is and how bad the team is. But, like, he was just saying the biggest thing he took away was just don't listen to the outside noise and just focus in and lock in on what you have to do. And that's basically what I, like, fell back on. That's what I'm trying to do now.
3: Well, best of luck to you. We can't wait to watch you on Saturday. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Isaiah. Thank you, no problem. Make NBC Sports Predictor a pregame ritual every week. Play Irish Pick'em for free and have a chance to win $10,000 each week. Rush the end zone and download NBC Sports Predictor app today on the App Store and Google Play Store. Thanks, Isaiah, for for joining. I know I got to go to Milan. I've never been, and now I know I have to get a margarita pizza there. Apparently, they're mind-blowing. So when we think about this game at Cal, a couple things to look for. Zor mentioned it, quarterback play. What can Drew Pine Bring to this team and can it get anything going on the ground? And I think the biggest thing for me is just can Notre Dame get a win? This is a critical moment. And it's now it's now or never. There's still a lot of games left. But this, in my opinion, is going to be well, who's going to come down to, uh, who's going to, which offense is going to be able to find their rhythm earlier and, and keep it steady. And that's something that Magna Team has been able to do so far. We'll be back next week with reaction to the matchup versus Cal. And we look ahead the next game for Notre Dame which is a road game at Chapel Hill against UNC be sure to download and subscribe to the Notre Dame on NBC podcast on the NBC Sports YouTube channel and wherever you get your audio podcasts The
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up?